Hello and welcome back to Pharmacist Diaries, the podcast that reveals the secret lives of pharmacists from where their journeys began, where they are now and everything in between. I am your host Anisha Patel and today I have the pleasure of launching the first pediatric pharmacist on the podcast, Poonam Lum. This episode was an absolute delight to record and a wonderful conversation between two passionate pediatric pharmacists sharing their journeys into this specialty. Poonam is currently the lead pharmacist for women's and children's services at Imperial College Healthcare NHS Trust and has been working within pediatrics for eight plus years. Listening to her journey was personally very inspiring and I'm sure that many of you will enjoy it just as much as I did. One of the main elements of this conversation that I'd like to reflect upon is Poonam's dedication to paediatrics and self-development in her professional career. She completed her postgraduate diploma in general pharmacy practice with UCL while she was a resident pharmacist with Bart's Health NHS Trust. She then continued her educational journey by completing her non-medical independent prescribing course with the University of Greenwich and her scope of practice was paediatric bone marrow transplantation supportive care. And as if that wasn't enough education, she identified an element of her career that she really wanted to develop and is currently a student with Henley Business School working on her Masters in Leadership, which she will finish in 2022. She also enjoys writing poems in her spare time and collaborated on a book called Poems for a Pandemic, as well as publishing her own book called Pink Tinted Glasses, The World Through a Poet's Eyes. Check out the episode as she even took the time to write us a poem for this episode. Why did you choose pharmacy in the first place is the normal question I always ask. And some people have really interesting answers. Some like mine are a bit boring, Um, (laughs) but um, we've made it into pharmacy and we love it now. So maybe you can share your journey into pharmacy. So um, my sort of pharmacy career happened largely by accident. So um, I think like a lot of pharmacists out there, um, it wasn't my initial plan. Um, I always wanted to be a doctor. I always wanted to be a paediatrician. Um, and it just so happened that at the time of the UCAS applications, we were told that medicine is very uh, is very competitive. And we were only allowed four options for medicine. And your um, latter two options had to be something completely different. Um, they were kind of like your backup options. Um, So I applied for medicine and uh, I had an interview with Queen Mary's University that was uh, affiliated with um, Barts in the London at the time. And I went there and I had a tour of the place and I just completely fell in love with the place. Um, I had my interview. um, I got my grades and um, unfortunately I didn't get a place uh, in medicine. Uh, And I still remember getting that letter at home that came in this sort of little white envelope and it was like thank you for applying and uh, really sorry that you didn't get a place in medicine and just remember being really disheartened um, and really upset because you know it's all I ever wanted to be and I you know it wasn't just that I wanted to be a doctor I always knew that I wanted to sort of work in the pediatric field Um, so then it was back to the drawing board and my latter two options I hadn't really put much thought into um I just kind of picked you know um backup options and my sixth option so my last option was actually pharmacy um at Kingston University 
And that then became my firm choice, so my first choice. Uh, and then that's where I ended up going. So it was, you know, um, it wasn't something that I always wanted to do. Um, I kind of stumbled upon it. It was kind of a backup option. Um, but actually, once I, you know, joined the course, it was a relatively new course at the time. So Kingston was affiliated with St. George's University. Um, and we were sort of, I think we were the second year. So the, the pharmacy school was still going through its accreditation at the time. Um, and it was just exciting. Uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm um, from the staff there as well. Um, it was a new project and, you know, it was just, it was, it was a great atmosphere. It was, um, now looking back at, back at those days, it was, I guess, probably um, provided me a really solid grounding um, for what was to come uh, in the future in terms of my pharmacy career. Nice. Yeah, I've got quite a similar sort of um, history. I mean, I, I did kind of like the idea of potentially um, becoming a pediatrician myself. Um, and then a similar story is when I was living in the US, though, um, I had to do my MCAT exam and I did okay on it, um, but I wasn't going to get into a good school. So instead of taking a year out, um, I thought, let me, um, my dad advised me to try pharmacy kind of thing. Um, and I made the right choice, definitely. And here we are, both in peace. And I think now looking back back at it, um, you know, they say, and it's quite cliche, that everything happens for a reason and you don't realise then at the time. But, you know, now when I look back on my journey, um, you know, it, it was for the best. And uh, I really enjoy what I do now. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So when you went to um, university, and you obviously started exploring which pathways of pharmacy mm-hmm. you wanted to go down. Were you aware exactly what you wanted to do? No. Um, so I, um, all throughout university, I worked sort of Saturday um, at a community pharmacy, which was nearby the university. And, you know, I really enjoyed that side of things. But we were actually quite lucky because Kingston was um, affiliated with St. George's University. Um, we had a chance to undertake hospital pla- placements at St. George's Hospital. Um, and that's where sort of I had my first taste of hospital pharmacy. And I completely fell in love with it. I remember our mentor at the time, um, who was also teaching on our pharmacy uh, course. And I remember us going through patients and, you know, presenting different CBDs um, back at sort of base at university. Um, and our first our first year um, lectures were actually with the med students as well. So we got quite a sort of uh, solid sort of grounding with regards to, you know, all the physiology, anatomy. Um, and then we were able to sort of, uh, practice um, our pharmacology and you know everything that we had learned in terms of pharmacy you know um, on patient scenarios and different patient cases so by third year I kind of knew that this is what I want to do it just really appealed to me I just loved how fast-paced it was how dynamic it was you know and how you know you'd be dealing with completely different scenarios and you know different patients every day and I just absolutely loved that um and then it came to applying for um hospital placements so in my third year I um did the boots placement because we were told that um 
without doing the boot summer placement in the third year, um, they wouldn't even consider you for a pre-reg um, placement. Um, and I really enjoyed that. So I did my boots placement in the third year. And I was offered a pre-registration place with boots um, uh, to start after my fourth year at, at university. Um, and simultaneously, I also applied for hospital. Um, I applied for four hospitals. And again, it reminded me of the um, whole UCAS system where, you know, you had to pick four hospitals and um, you could place your preferences down or you um, could leave it. But we were always told that it's probably better to put preferences down um, for the places that you're um, applying to. And um, again, I had four interviews and um, I didn't hear back from any of them uh, for a while. And then I was rejected from three hospitals. Um, and the fourth one, which was Bart's um, and the London at the time, so it's it's Bart's Health NHS Trust now, um, I hadn't heard back from. And Meanwhile, the deadline for me to accept my boots placement was looming. And it was literally the last day um, that I could have left it to post out my acceptance form for boots. Um, I posted the letter in the morning, having not heard back from um, Bart's in the London. And that afternoon, I got a phone call from, from um, Bart's in London saying that we'd like to offer you a place. Um, and I, I still remember that because, you know, there are a lot of things that you'll hear in pharmacy. You know, pharmacy is a small world. You know, once you accept a place, you shouldn't reject it because, you know, it leaves a bad impression. Um, and, you know, I had been told that, you know, Boots might not really release you from your uh, placement because you've accepted. But they were lovely. They were so understanding. I remember calling up my um, Boots placement manager at the time and, you know, I just said to her that, look, I had applied for it. I have since had uh, confirmation from um, Bart's to say that they're taking me on and, you know, apologised. And, um, you know, she was just so understanding. I still remember. She was like, that's fine. We release you. Um, and I ended up doing my pre-registration at, at Bart's in London. And I remember thinking at the time that sort of this was the place sort of, you know, five years ago where I had you know, had my medicine interview and, you know, thought about how I really wanted to work here one day. And I've kind of ended up here, but, you know, through a different route. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Um, that's a nice story. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. No worries. Um, and when you started your pre-reg year, you know, what was it like for you in general? Um, it was really daunting. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. Um, I So obviously I'd had placements at St. George's University and then here's me, you know, working at, at Bart's in the London. Um, we were a cohort of 12 pre-regers and um, I remember walking in and it was kind of like that first day of high school where, you know, um, not knowing anyone and everybody did know each other because um, in those days, you know, there were certain schools of pharmacy that were affiliated to certain uh, hospital placements you know so out of the 12 of us I remember four, four were from school of pharmacy which is um, UCL now we had four from King's College um, and then there were you know 
the the rest of us, four of us, were from different sort of universities. So I I was from Kingston. We had somebody from Medway and someone from Brighton. Um, so yeah, it was quite it was quite daunting at first. But the thing that I really enjoyed about Barts is at that time they had a buddy system. So there were twelve of us, and actually there were six pairs, and you went through your rotations with your buddy. So for the whole year, you were paired up with someone, um, which was quite nice because obviously, you know, as daunting as it is, you've, you've you know, you, you, you're transitioning from student life into working life and you're getting to grips with different rotations and different, you know, expectations and completing your pre-reg year and, you know, you've got an exam at the end of it and assessments and rotations. So it's just nice to have somebody with you that you can sort of share that with. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a very comprehensive pre-registration program as well. So we had sort of seven-week rotations, and we rotated through um, surgery, pediatrics. Uh, we did mental health, care of the elderly. Um, I did my cardiac rotation at the London Chest Hospital, which has closed since. Um, they've moved over to the to Bart's now, and they had merged with UCL. Um, in terms of their cardiac center so that was really interesting um you know it was just a very comprehensive snapshot picture of various rotations within the hospital itself and it was just just good memories like now when I think back and um you know I was actually talking to my buddy the other day and you know I'm still in touch with her and um you know and we ended up doing our residency together as well so you know oh that's nice yeah yeah I only had one other pre-reg with me in the hospital but I I I went to Papworth and it was really small um so it was just me and one other girl who I keep in touch with um and we're really good friends still and we live together as well halfway through the year she moved in with me um from the uh like the hospital accommodation and um but but in terms of how you feel about um, you know, that kind of connection that you make with your pre-regs and then going into kind of residency with them. I developed that connection really well when I was a resident um, and still keep in touch with uh, the girls now. Um, and it, it's really nice to have that, you know, lifelong friendship and professional or career related to enjoy together like we had some really really crazy um fun kind of mad nights together and um you know the hectic days where you you know you bleep each other for support and everyone will always drop everything for you if you need them um and and it's really nice when you're just starting out in your professional career to develop that bond with people definitely Um, yeah, it's really important for me personally as well to have some someone else to kind of lean on and someone to um, work with, bounce ideas from. Like if you're stuck with a patient, you can talk something through with somebody. And that aspect of hospital pharmacy is something I, I never want to give up because I love that teamworking. I love being around other people. I mean, even at the Evelina, God, I ask so many questions even now, um, you know, or, or I just get excited about something and then I'm like, oh yeah, what do you think about this? I've got this patient and blah, blah, blah. And we have really enjoyable discussions and it's really, you know, a very open, um, kind of friendly environment. Um, we're very family oriented, so it's, it's really nice place to work. Um, so it's nice to share that um, experience as well. Um, 
So you you enjoyed your pre-reg year. Were there aspects of pharmacy practice that you loved or that you thought, yes, I can see myself um, doing this, except from peas, obviously? So um, funnily enough, I... I wasn't too keen on peds <laughs> as a really um, yeah. So when I did my pre-registration uh, year itself, um, it wasn't something that I would say that you know absolutely hated. But I came across other rotations that really intrigued me as well. So for example, my um, cardiology rotation um, at the London Chest Hospital, I absolutely loved it, um, and. Um, you know, I came out free reg thinking that, and, and even my mental health uh, rotation that we had at the Mile End uh, Hospital, um, they were rotations that I sort of went into not really knowing what to expect. Um, but, you know, it was just something about the, you know, I just loved how clinical they were um, and, you know, how meaty they were in terms of the, um, pharmaceutical interventions that I could see the pharmacists making and how embedded they were in the MDT and you know what a difference they were making um and you know that's not to say that I didn't see that in pediatric but I feel that you know at that stage um you don't get as much exposure to pediatrics as you do when you you know when you're a pharmacist for example and, and that's understandable you know um we were on the sort of uh, general pediatric wards in the morning and we would uh, answer pediatric MI queries in the afternoon. So it was a kind of a split rotation. So 50% pediatrics and 50% MI. So I just feel that perhaps we didn't get enough time on the wards with the patients for me to have made my mind up at that point and, and think, okay, yes, this is this is what I want to do. This is for me. Um, but yeah, those two rotations stand out uh, for me as a pre-reg. Um, things changed um one of my uh, role models um uh you know in terms of pediatric pharmacist pharmacy and someone who i really look up to is uh, nana christiansen and she's um the associate director at, at you know at, at guys um and uh, you know works closely with you guys at the evelina and you know i just remember seeing her as a pre-reg even at that time and just thinking wow you know um you know she was a consultant pharmacist you know like you know you could just tell that that she was involved in all these interesting things and she was actually my um my uh pre-reg audit tutor as well so that was my first taste of peds actually mm -hmm. my first taste of working with her um so you know later on you know i i when I understood more of what she did and what her role was about. Um, and she worked with another pharmacist there called Alice Lowe, um, you know, who I'm still in touch with. And again, is still, is, is, you know, a mentor of mine and a role model, somebody, somebody that I look up to, but my interest for peds developed more as a band six, as a res, resi pharmacist. Yeah. I got three months in peds as a resident and I remember it very clearly because most of the time I was scared. Yeah. And we were a paper, paper drug charts back then so I was always afraid to sign my name with the green pen uh I don't I don't see um people of my age now being scared uh in the way that I was um and the fear of a small human <laughs> I don't have it now um uh but when I did that three months every day I I was very fearful uh, of making a mistake 
um, and pediatrics just felt really unknown. Like even when we were doing night shifts and a pe- you know pediatric drug trial would come through, like my heart would sink because I'm like, oh no. Um, and it's funny in the early years of your career that that can intimidate you. Definitely. Um, but I really enjoyed it because I utilized a different aspect of my brain, I feel. Like it was a very different use of your thought processes when you're screening prescriptions. There's so many calculations involved, which I really like actually. Um, you know, and having to think about all the different types of formulations that you need to use or how are you going to get this into the patient because a liquid is not readily available. Um, and then when I used to go to the NICU or the PICU at nighttime, um, because our PICU pharmacist literally used to live in the hospital. So when we were on night shifts and it was, it was quiet, sometimes I used to join him like, you know, in the middle of the night on PICU just to see what it was like and just get an experience. And it was just, I was just amazed by just small humans. Um, and, and what we were capable of in terms of looking after them and understanding their needs it is incredible like pediatric surgery I just even now when you think about it I mean Evelina we're doing you know kidney transplants it's just on on three to four year olds and it's just amazing um but one aspect of peds I really liked back then was the um amount of time that you spent with parents in terms of education and counseling which is one aspect of pharmacy and it's probably my favorite aspect of pharmacy um is spending time with a patient or a parent going through the medications, you know, how to use them, the timings, you know, what, what can be mixed with food, etc. I really love that. Um, I really like empowering the parent to know as much information as possible and just sharing as much of my knowledge with them. Um, so that, but, but still I, I loved it. Um, but there were so many elements of the rotations that I had in Oxford that I love too. Like I really liked renal transplant again from a similar perspective. I loved attending MDTs. Um, I, I really enjoyed counseling because after transplant, you have so much involvement in terms of counseling, um, and adherence and with adults, obviously the adherence issue is slightly different, but it still has, you know, a, a huge value um and explaining things to patients and obviously with post-transplant you've got loads of administration advice to give whether some items can be taken with food like if you need an acidic environment for certain drugs you know drink it with uh, uh, you know some orange juice or we used to say drink it with some coke yeah um yeah <laughs> I don't know if they still do that now they but, still do that <laughs> <laughs> um so those kind of elements pharmacy I knew I really liked I really liked you know medicines information and kind of doing inquiries and things like that so as a band six I was exploring what elements of pharmacy I did enjoy yeah I knew at that time that I didn't like surgery very much because I found that it was slightly repetitive yeah um and I I I don't want to say I got bored quickly but I just felt like sometimes it was you know the same thing you know VTE and, and pain and constipation and obviously it integrates with whatever the patients come in with or, um, you know, what kind of medical history they have, you can always still enjoy the pharmacy aspect of that individual patient, depending on what they've come in with. But I still felt like the day to day was 
kind of same, same. Um, but with surgery, I, I very much enjoy TPN um, and doing ward rounds with TPN. So there were lots of little elements of pharmacy that I was kind of getting snippets of. I thought, oh, I could see myself doing this or oh, I really like this um, aspect of it. But I still didn't really know at that point um, what I wanted to do. Um, and it's quite hard to make that choice it um, is. after it is. you kind of do a rotational job. I don't know. That's it. And I think that's, you know, I, I feel like they're your formative years. They, I quite like the idea of, you know, the rotational six post because you get exposure to, you know, so many different rotations and you get to build upon what you've, you know, experienced during pre-reg. And, mm. um, you know, it was quite interesting for me because I, uh, one of my first shifts as a band six pharmacist was a night shift. Uh, and uh, I still remember I uh, I left pre-reg without a job. Um, we were told at the time um, at Bart's that, look, we've just recruited um, and, you know, you guys should start looking elsewhere. Um, and, you know, I just remember it being such a stressful time. And now when I look back at it, I'm just like, oh, God, should have just enjoyed the summer because, you know, I did I did get a call in September saying that we're going to be interviewing and, um you know, if you're interested, please do apply. Um, and, you know, I ended up getting the job as a resident pharmacist at Bart's. And, you know, they were quite short-staffed. And because I had done my pre-reg there, they were like, right, we were quite short-staffed on the um, trauma and acute rotation, which would be the rotation where you would do your night shift. So we would do seven consecutive nights, um, no retiring room. Um, so we were expected to stay awake and cover two wards, actually, during our night shifts. Um, and then we'd get a week off so it was one of my first shifts and I remember you know in that dispensary standing all alone thinking to myself okay it's it's on you now you know and what I learned through that whole process is actually um, you know you the doubts that you have and you know on your with regards to your capability and you know what you can actually handle you know you actually realize how much more resilient you are and um, how much you've actually absorbed during your pre-reg year and um, how you're able to handle different scenarios and situations. Um, and then after those six months, um, I was due to go into another rotation. And when our rotation list came out, um, I was in paediatrics. And I was quite shocked by that, actually, because paediatrics was reserved for the latter 18 months of your um, diploma so it was considered a sort of a specialist area they were called DAPs in those days and they're called FS2s now but um so I was actually quite shocked to know that I was going into pediatrics after six months of being a, a um you know a band six pharmacist but my tutor uh, my diploma tutor was um a pediatric pharmacist so women and children's pharmacist at the time uh, her name is Alice Lowe and um she ended up being one of my role models. And I think that's where my journey into pediatrics began. So I spent six months doing pediatric surgery and pediatric gastro. So those are the two wards that were assigned to me, completely embedded on the wards uh, within the clinical team. And I absolutely loved it. And I came to the end of the, the six months in, in pediatrics and I didn't want to move. Um, I, you know, it was just, I, I felt that I'd found my niche. Um, but at the same time, you know, I did also know that, you know, I've got some other rotations coming up. I might enjoy something else more than what I've enjoyed 
you know, in this particular rotation. And then I did aseptics. Um, I did outpatient oncology. Um, and then it came to the end of the six months again. And, and I was like, I'm going to ask them if I can do pediatrics again, because it wasn't a very popular rotation at the time. And people often, as you said, there was a fear around pediatrics and it was, you know, um, small human beings and calculations and, you know, weird doses. And there was always this sort of fear around it. Um, and, and I actually got pediatrics for the second time. And the second time I was lucky enough to do pediatric respiratory and uh, pediatric uh, hematology and a little bit of oncology. And, and that's it. I knew at the end of those six months that, that this is, this is what I wanted to want to do. Um, nice. Yeah. And you then you actually got a, a job as a band seven from your um, job as, from Bart's, right? Yes. So, um, um, the time came where, you know, I had been a resi for a couple of years and, you know, I knew what I wanted to do and I had discussed it with the team at Bart's and it just so happened that at that time, um, a job came up at St. Mary's uh, for a band seven women and children's pharmacist and um, at the same time a job came up at Bart's for a band seven women and children's pharmacist and my interview at St. Mary's was on the Wednesday and my interview at Bart's was on the Thursday and um, I came to St. Mary's I um, had the interview in the morning and then I went back to Bart's um, for the rest of the day and I had a phone call um, later on that day from St. Mary's and you know they, they were like we'd like to offer you the job and um, you know I, there was a lot going through my mind at the time I was like well I've still got my interview tomorrow with Bart's and you know and then I was like well here I've got a job um, at St Mary's and you know I had spoken to um, my tutor beforehand as well and you know she had said that it's good to get experience in other hospitals as well and I had done my uh, pre-reg at Bart's and I'd done my residency there as well and you know I just I just had that gut feeling that perhaps it's time for a change and a new adventure yeah a new adventure yeah and uh, I accepted and uh, yeah I'm still there now but um how I progressed is you know it, that's a sort of different aspect in terms of like my career progression there at, at St Mary's but I started off as a band seven rotational women and children's pharmacist so again rotational and I think a lot of people don't realize that with women and children that actually it's it's a there are various specialities within the speciality itself agreed um, and you know and I feel like at university as well you know thinking back on how much we actually learned about pediatric pharmacy and you know um I remember having one lecture about it and you know the, the extent to the exposure that I had to pediatric pharmacy in community, for example, it, it wasn't it wasn't significant. It was, you know, the odd bottle of amoxicillin or PenV here or there kind of thing. So, you know, it was it was something that was never never really explored. And I think people don't realise that until they actually are within the rotation or within working within hospital itself that you know, you've got various specialities within this one umbrella term yeah, speciality. Definitely. Um, 
I just I just taught the um, fourth year students today, um, yeah. the M Farm students, a three hour symposium on pediatrics. Yeah, and in three hours, um, I don't know if you know um, Nicola Hussein, who works at Evelina. Yeah, she used she's, to work uh, at Mary's before. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I I covered her mat leave, and now yes. obviously she's back from mat leave, and uh, we talked together, and it was I had a really nice afternoon. To be honest, it was really good, even though it was on Teams. Um, but we basically in three hours we just covered um, pharmacokinetics pharmacodynamics we talked about medication safety we talked about drug errors um, we talked about resources for pediatrics um, we talked about um, you know the ideal properties for a pediatric medication um, licensing unlicensing um, unlicensing, unlicensed medicines, um, specials, etc., and and how we alter formulations all the time. Um, and though that sounds like we covered a lot, we it's did tip of the iceberg. It's I know. <laughs> After that, I was like, "There's so much more I want yeah. to say." Um, you know, so I, I'm gonna go back to um, Jig at KCL who looks after the fourth year students and tell him that we need to have more lectures. This is not enough. Definitely. It's not enough. Definitely. Um, And yeah, I mean, I started off um, at St. Mary's uh, with the PICU rotations. That was my first rotation. And I spent about six months there and I was finishing up my diploma at the time as well. So just finishing up my last um, DAP modules or last FS2 modules. Um, I rotated from PICU into um, BMT, so pediatric bone marrow transplantation, and then I did some general peds, um, by which time I'd finished my um, I'd finished my diploma. Um, and now I started thinking, well, you know, okay, I know that this is what I want to do. I want to do pediatrics. Um, and okay, but, but what, what do I want to do in pediatrics? Um, and it just so happened that at that time, um, our pharmacist that used to sort of cover pediatric bone marrow transplantation, um, she was moving over to BOTS. Um, so she'd had a promotion and they needed somebody to fill that gap. Um, and it just, it just so happened that I'd finished a PICU, I'd done a bit of general peds, I'd done a little bit of BMT and, you know, I went back into doing pediatric BMT. And it was a classic case again, you know, it was pretty similar to how I'd sort of fallen into peds in that um, I didn't know that that is what I would enjoy doing or end up doing until I actually started doing it. Um, I remember the first couple of weeks, it was really difficult. Um, Our paediatric bone marrow transplant unit um, is one of the largest in the UK for non-malignant conditions. So we transplant um, patients um, with sickle cell disease or beta thalassemia or bone marrow failure disorders, um, very complex patients, um, you know, very high pharmaceutical needs, lots of polypharmacy. And as you were saying, it's pretty similar to the renal transplant patients. Um, there's always a lot, of go- a lot going on uh, in terms of TDM. And, you know, you've got the added thing of, yes, you've got this medication. How are you going to get this medication into your patient? You know, um, we need to think about things like palatability, absorption. Are they actually absorbing their medication through the GI tract? You know, side effects of chemotherapy. Um, So, you know, there was so much going on. And, you know, 
I just fell in love with it. You know, it's my passion. And now when I, you know, talk to people about it, they, they always say, they're like, oh, you know, when you talk to us about pediatric BMT, you can tell like how passionate you are about it. And I was like, you know, it's just, I found my, I found my area. Um, and I ended up doing an independent prescribing course. I specialized in pediatric bone marrow uh, transplant supportive care. So um, everything from nausea and vomiting to um, antimicrobial prophylaxis and IVIG. Um, so that's my speciality. And, um, you know, I've just been really fortunate because I've been able to present my work um, abroad. Last year was my first publication in the um, blood journal. Um, and I was supposed to be presenting in Madrid, but I ended up presenting virtually um, because of COVID. And, you know, I've been to the American Society of Hematology conferences uh, in California, in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and it's just been very fulfilling. And, um, you know, it, it it's just such an interesting area where I feel that, you know, when you're sitting in, un- in university and you're think- thinking to yourself, I'm never going to need this lecture. When, when am I going to actually use this lecture? I can I can hand on heart say that pretty much every aspect of what I learned during my pharmacy, you know, four years and pre-reg and beyond, I apply all of that in practice today um, and for the benefit of my patients and, you know, the team that I work with. So it's been quite a, quite a roller coaster of a ride, I think, but I'm enjoying it and I still enjoy it. I'm loving the passion that's coming through yeah. the podcast tonight. This is exactly what we're looking for. Um, this is exactly what people like to hear. And it's really inspiring as well, your your journey. And I've obviously got some kind of follow-up questions from that. So you started your um, Bound 7 kind of rotational role. And obviously, um, you enjoyed bone marrow transplant and, and you you kind of, you know, transitioned into that quite well as an opportunity came up but um in terms of going from adults to to pediatrics in the beginning in the first sort of six months to a year what did you do to develop yourself in terms of your learning and kind of CPD with relation to pediatrics and how did you do it so it was actually quite interesting when I actually came um into sort of pediatrics at St Mary's Hospital um you know, I'd I'd heard about sort of basic basic training packages. Um, the CPPE, for example, had a training package, and that was incorporated into our pediatric training when we were sort of uh, band six pharmacists at Bart's. Okay. Um, it's only when I joined at, joined St Mary's Hospital that I actually realised that, that there are so many other resources that are available to pediatric pharmacists. And the, one of the first things that I remember doing was. Um, joining MPPG which is the uh, neonatal and pharmacists neonatal and pediatric pharmacists group and this is a, a UK um, wide group of pharmacists that specialize in pediatrics and neonate, neonatal medicine and um, I remember starting in October around about the same time that they had their annual conference and I remember going to this annual conference and you know just in awe at all the different specialities that were available within this, uh, you know, this speciality, and you know, 
Uh, we had study days. Um, the conference was made up of there's a beginner's day that takes place on the first day where they talk you through all the, you know, the basics of pharmacy. So things like, you know, things that you wouldn't even think twice about when you're doing adult medicine, you know. Generally, the assumption is this patient can take tablets. Um, it's going to be um, one tablet or two tablets. You know, you're not going to be halving or you're not going to be crushing and dispersing or you're not thinking about E-numbers. Um, you're not thinking about excipients, you know, um, you're not thinking about how they might be, you know, metabolizing this drug in relation to their body size. You know, you're not thinking about about things like that. And all of a sudden you've got a patient in front of you who, you know, you are having to think about all the all the the, the ADME, you know, all the absorption, distribution, metabolism, excretion of this drug within this within this particular patient and also the other added complication is that you know a lot of the medicines that we use in a pediatric speciality we're using off-label you know and and it's up to you to think about well how is this drug distributed in the in the body how is it metabolized one of the first things I remember getting my head around was um why you know why are we dosing some of these children at higher doses than adults you know, and it was just one of those things that I just couldn't get my head around. And actually, you know, if you just if you think about the way a drug might be metabolized, for example, you know, if it's if it's being metabolized by the liver, and you know, a, a child will have sort of an adult-sized liver by the age of nine, and you think about that size of that liver in comparison to the body surface area that that child has compared to an adult, you know, obviously you're going to need a higher amount of drug. Um, in order for it to be effective so you know just things like that and and having to apply that sort of pharmacokinetic knowledge in addition to all the other co complicated aspects of pediatric pharmacy I just found that quite challenging. It's a really interesting aspect of doing um, pediatric pharmacy because your 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 brain is wired in a slightly different way um, and though you I mean you still have polypharmacy um because they do come in with multiple diseases sometimes especially if you're in a tertiary center like ours um but at the same time um it, it's completely different to adults like you know when you just review an adult drug chart and you just see paracetamol one gram qds furosemide 40 aspirin 75 you, you just know it you just know it's fine um, you know, and you generally know the interactions because you've been trained for four years to think with an adult brain. Yes. And it's just in your mindset and it's becomes kind of part of your routine. But then when you open up a pediatric drug chart, I feel like 25 other things come up in your mind. Um, I do love a drug history in pediatrics. It's so much more enjoyable um, to speak to a parent and and to a patient who who knows all about their medicines, um, who brings all their pods in, their their own drugs come into the hospital, always organized, always labeled. Um, you know, well, majority of the time, and that I feel like is like ninety percent of the time. You know, which is incredible compared to to adult care. So I do love. Um, the way that we do drug histories um i i i'm starting to 
work um, with Nana on the formulary, which has been a really interesting aspect of, of my job, which I'm doing a couple of days a week. And it's a really good opportunity to learn more about pediatrics just simply because of the sheer amount of reading that I have to do in order to make amendments to drugs that we have or add new drugs to the formulary as well, especially because our consultants are always asking us to add weird and wonderful things um, that are still kind of experimental. Um, and I'm also doing a little bit of palliative care. So I'm doing that one, one, uh, one day a week. Um, but the team are amazing. And I mean, I say this every week, I feel, but I've fallen in love with them. And, uh, you know, you, when you feel like you've found your niche and you fit into it and you've fallen into it by chance, That's um, it. but you love it. Yeah. Um, I, I get what you mean when you say that. And um, I really want to be able to grow into this role. And I wanted to ask you, so when you, f- when you started your role with bone marrow transplant and your start of identifying how much you love it. So obviously I, I assume you initially started kind of doing a ward-based role. Um, and then obviously you've decided to do your independent prescribing, but maybe you could share I guess the link between your starting in a specialty and how you progressed within it, including the research aspect, because if you know, you're going to conferences, you're going, you've, you got your first publication last year. How did you get into that? you know, um, because even for me now, um, I'm starting to do little bits of research here and there with kind of the medical team. Um, and they're kind of guiding me along the way. Um, and I want to do more and I can't wait to kind of achieve more within this role and kind of progress within the, within the position. Um, but I just keen to kind of understand your journey from that perspective. Definitely. Um, so I finished my independent prescribing course and, um, you know, at, at that stage, I, you know, knew that I was ready for you know something else I knew that I'd found my niche and what interested me um and but I felt that I you know it was time for the next stage you know um the next step up on the ladder so um you know at that time an 8A came up within the team uh so lead pharmacist for women and children and I applied for it um and I got it but also um th- what i liked about it was that there was more emphasis on pediatrics and i was also able to continue with my um area of specialist practice so um here i was on the bmt unit um still learning a lot because i i feel like i learn something every day like even today we had an experience where we've got a patient and you know we're having to think outside the box and you know completely different experience um but I think what helped is um, with time. So working on that ward, I, you know, you develop professional relations with um, your team members, and um, you know, you're able to learn from them. So during my independent prescribing course, my DMP, for example, um, she was um, a hemo- pediatric hematology consultant. And I just remember spending a lot of time with her, you know, she taught me, you know, how to assess patients, how to write in clinic notes, um, you know, just all the clinical aspects, uh, in addition to the the pharmacy aspects. And it was at that time that she mentioned ASH. So ASH is the American Society of Hematology. And she just said, you know, it's, it's, it's a really amazing place to be. And, you know, 
you have people attending this conference globally when they'll come and present their work and you know um, there's a certain aspect for pediatric hematology as well um, and I just remember being you know inspired by the work that she was doing at the time and and you know just thinking you know it'd be great to be able to attend something like this and to be able to be a part of something like this and also because what we're doing is such a you know it's such a niche area um but very sort of expert at the same time but there's a lot that we do that we could share with other people um so i decided to apply for ash membership um and that wasn't as straightforward as i thought it would be they only accept um members twice a year and a panel will actually sit down uh, go through your CV, go through your experience. Um, you have to get a recommendation from two other members. And if they think that your application is worthy enough, you get a place. Um, so I remember that being my sort of first achievement um, within that particular field. And I remember flying to San Diego, California that year as a member and going and seeing all this fantastic work that was happening, not just nationally, but internationally with regards to hematology. And, um, you know, it, it was just so inspiring. It was, you know, I just came back more motivated and I just had this desire to, you know, to do something like that, to be a part of something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, in addition to that, we have the European BMT conference um, that takes place every year. And um, I've been to Lisbon and Frankfurt with that. And last year, I just decided to bite the bullet. I was like, I'm seeing all this amazing work happening. And actually, you know, as a pharmacist, there's not a lot of representation here. Um, you know, you see all these medical um publications and you know all this fantastic work that the doctors are doing so I went back to my DMP and I said to her, look I really want to present something from a pharmacy perspective because you know I really do feel like we do some really interesting stuff here um, and she was like go for it and I had a case um, of a particular patient where we had done something out of the norm and it was a pediatric patient um, so again there were a lot of different factors that we had to consider so the drug that we used we actually gave it through the intravesicular route so through the bladder but you know obviously children's bladders are obviously smaller as well so when you're thinking about drug volume and instilling you know a drug um through that route you need to be thinking about all those pediatric practical examples as well so i submitted and um it was actually accepted um and i just remember thinking when, when that email came through that you know we'd like you to present you know it was just such a good feeling you know you just feel that not only are you making a difference you know within the center but perhaps that work that you can now share internationally might actually help other centers too um and other patients too so it was just it was just a great feeling and that was actually published in the blood journal so that was sort of how i got into research and a little bit about that I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love, I love the passion that's coming through. I love your, I, I literally, I, I'm, I feel inspired because I can just feel how much you love your job from this yes. side of the phone. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice to meet another pediatric pharmacist who really enjoys their job. And I'm just at the start of my journey. Yeah. 
I've, I'm only one and a half years in and yeah. I'm still such a baby in peds. So yeah. it's nice to see how you've grown into the role Definitely. and how your progression has, has come so far. And, and, and I, I, yeah. Alicia, I would say it's what, like, the, the minute you don't enjoy it, when you feel like it's not something that you're enjoying, then it's probably not worth doing. You know, yeah. um, like I'm not saying that I go to work every day and every day is, you know, amazing. Obviously, we all have our ups and downs, but you kind of, you know, like you sometimes I talk to people and they're like, oh, you know, I go to work and I'm looking at the clock and, you know, time goes so slow and Please. stuff. It's yeah, the other yeah, way around. You're like, I, slow down. Time. Exactly. You How, know? Today I was like, how is it one o'clock? Yeah. I, I need you more know? time. That's it. So, you know, uh, and I would, I'd say, you know, always challenge yourself I think that's what makes it interesting um mm. so I I last year before last um I was like kind of like okay what now you know um and uh, at that time um an opening came up I saw on the RPS website that they were looking for a uh, pediatric uh, formulary committee member for the BNFC and um you know I just thought to myself this sounds really interesting and you know, I'd like to see what it's all about and what it involves and stuff. So I sent off my CV and I had an interview for it. Um, and it was just, you know, I'd never had an interview for a voluntary position before and it was quite daunting. And I remember going to the RPS office and waiting outside for my interview, not knowing what they're going to ask me, going in. And one of the first things that they said to me was like, we'd, you know, we'd just like to tell you it's, it's very competitive. Um, we're going to ask you some questions. And it was just like a proper interview, like I was going for, you know, a proper job. And they asked me all these questions. And, um, you know, I remember getting an email a week later saying that, you know, we've selected you on the pediatric formulary committee um, for the BNFC. And again, I was like, okay, a new challenge. And, yeah. um, but also, you know, it was something that I remember thinking to myself that, as a university student and as a pre-reg, you know, like going through that BNFC and, you know, revising things, tagging things, you know, and like, you know, one day for your name to be in it, it's, it's just such a great feeling. Um, and, um, you know, the input as well. So our committee is made up of a mixture of nurses, doctors, um, community members, lay members, pharmacists, um, you know, and it's bringing that hospital experience into the BNFC from a practical level. Like we all know that when doctors are prescribing medication, um, you know, they don't have all the time in the world. And more often than not, they'll see a dose and they'll prescribe it, you know, and the amount of times that we've, you know, had to be like, sorry, this is the this is the wrong dose for the wrong <laughs> route or, you know, the max dose is this for this particular yeah. age. And, you know, things like that, just practical things. Um, so now I'm a formulary committee member and, and, you know, we, you know, we get asked for advice in terms of pediatric dosing, wording of dosing, um, you know, just things to make it easier um, to, to minimize the risk involved in pediatric administration and prescribing errors. And, you know, it's just so fulfilling um, to be able to sort of give back in a way. Yeah, um, definitely. 
I love that idea. I'm so yeah. glad that you've done that because I can. It, it's such a nice integration into your current role. Um, but it's also nice because you've got lots of experience in hospital, which you can bring to another area. And That's every it. time on this podcast, we're always talking about transferable skills. That's it. Um, and and you're utilizing them to to yeah. the best. Like this is this is great. This is That's perfect. It. You know, we need yeah. more hospital pharmacists going over to the BNFC because I even I notice things like that. There's a couple yeah. of monographs which even I get confused as to what the doses are, and and because there's so many indications as well, yeah. and then so many routes, it can get very Definitely. yeah confusing and to navigate, and especially like for pediatrics as well. I think because obviously we're often dosing per weight or per body surface area, mm. and you've got so in terms of variable dosing like you know you can have a a patient that's a month old all the way up to 18 years old you know so there's a lot of variability amongst that so yeah it's very interesting nice yeah well um, I'm obviously taking quite a lot of your time already and I'm so pleased that um you got to share your journey with us and I'm definitely going to keep in touch with you sure um why not? And as soon as coronavirus calms down, um, I'll organize for us to, to meet up for a coffee or something, which would be really nice for Definitely. us to connect. Definitely. Um, but usually at the end of my podcast, I always ask um, three questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you don't mind. No, it's fine. Yeah, okay. Um, being a pharmacist means? Um, I think being a pharmacist um, means being me uh, because uh, – it's what I enjoy doing. Um, I go to work every day and uh, I'm proud of the uh, contribution that I'm making for my patients and, um, you know, for my team. So, yeah, being a pharmacist means being me. Nice. And if you had to, um, if you had to go back in time to the day that you registered as a pharmacist and you wrote a letter to yourself, ask, kind of giving yourself advice yeah. on what would you would tell yourself as as a, a young version of Poonam? What what would you what would you tell her? So, um, Anisha, I write poetry uh, in, in my spare time, and um, oh, I've noticed, yes, and your book as well. So, please tell us all about that, by the way. So, I I self published my first poetry collection last year, and uh, I was also fortunate enough to work with Harper Collins last year, and we worked on a book called Poems for a Pandemic, um, which was you know, really interesting. Um, and uh, it gave me a lot of time to reflect as well. But yeah, so um, when I saw this question, I, you know, was thinking to myself, you know, what would I do differently? So I actually just wrote, wrote a little a poem about it. And, I love and it. Yeah. So, um, so it's, it's called hindsight. And it's hindsight is a strange thing. If I knew then what I know now, would I do things differently? I probably would. More avidly, more zealously, more passionately. That's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And thank you for putting so much thought into the answer to the my my three favorite questions. I as think well. this was the in toughest own, one, you know. In your own personal <laughs> way. Thank you. I really no appreciate that. That's very kind. Okay. Um, it is a tough question because yeah. I ask it to myself quite a bit and I'm still kind of, unsure of the answer because I think I would tell myself so many things um but I think 
Yeah, it's really hard. And every time that I ask this question, everyone has come up with something completely different. But it's yeah. nice to hear people's stories, though. Definitely. Um, and then my favorite question is always, in 10 years' time, I will be? In 10 years' time, I will be um, either the um, chief pharmacist of a children's hospital or a consultant pharmacist. Big dreams. Yeah, so I'm yeah. actually doing my um, MA in leadership with the Henley Business School um, oh, at amazing. the moment. And um, it's just really interesting. And um, it, it basically, it, one of their captions is transforming accidental managers into conscious leaders, which I find really interesting because we're not really taught how to be leaders. And, you know, all managers, we go to university to study pharmacy, we become pharmacists. And then somewhere along the route, we're we're put into leadership positions and if you think about you know the nhs it's like the fifth largest employer in the world and you know we're leading teams within this massive organization and um you know we were expected to sort of find our leadership styles um ourselves so um it's something that i've been thinking about for a long time and um yeah, uh, I decided to join the Henley Business School last year. And uh, yeah, how, how long have you got left? Oh, I've got so I finished next year. Okay. Um, so we've got several modules um, and all you know various different modules from finding your own leadership style, uh, practice based leadership with where we will be sort of um, you know implementing what we've learnt in theory and putting it into practice. Um, it's just really eye opening, you know. Um, and studying about different leadership concepts and styles and actually how probably the the best leader is someone who adapts a little bit from all these different styles, um, you know, yeah, makes, one, makes one for themselves. So, and yeah. you've got to you've got to reflect on the type of leader or the type of manager that you want to be and fit it definitely, with your personality definitely. as well. It's not a one size fits all that's scenario. It, that's it. And also the type that you don't want to be. Exactly. And I feel like you learn that all throughout your career you know you'll you'll I remember being told as a pre-reg that you know um when you go through your pre-reg rotations you'll see different types of pharmacists and you'll see some pharmacists and some qualities of certain pharmacists that you want to sort of imbibe into your practice and you'll see some things that you'll probably think to yourself actually I probably don't want to you know and it's the same with leadership and, and management I think you learn a lot from the people around you as well mm. yeah I agree um, I'd really like to thank you for making the time tonight to come onto the podcast and, and share your journey, share your insight, um, you know, share your feelings and, and mm. your, your passion for, for pediatrics. And I think I've, I, I can, I'm coming up with other topics that we can talk about, um, sure. on the podcast. So, um, maybe we can explore that another time. Definitely. Thank you for having me, Anisha. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Pharmacist Diaries UK and on Twitter at Farm Diaries UK. That is P-H-A-R-M Diaries UK. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you can be notified when a new episode is released. Finally, please visit Apple Podcasts and leave me a review as it will help the podcast reach more people. If you have any suggestions for guests you want me to talk to or if you'd like to come on yourself, please feel free to contact me via social media or email at info at pharmacistdiaries.com.